0: Blog talk Radio Hi everyone, this is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Thursday, April 5th, it's 11:30 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. I would say it is one of the dreariest days we've had here in Chicago. Oh my heavens, rainy, cold, yucky. I think we're supposed to have some kind of storm that hits tonight where we have 60 mile an hour winds. Oh, my heavens. And yes, it's April 5th. Mm. Okay, wherever you are, I hope that the sun is shining and that you're warm and that you're comfortable and ready for a good 30-minute conversation about policy updates as it relates to Alzheimer's. So Claire Day, who's our dementia care expert, is going to join us in just a few minutes. And Claire has some updates for us on her personal life, personal and professional. So we're going to start off with some updates about how Claire is doing, and then we'll move into our conversation about policy updates. Just a couple quick updates for you. As you know, we have a couple of really great events coming up. The big one is June 2nd. It's Caregiving and the Workplace a summit that's happening here in Chicago on June 2nd. We've been doing podcasts with our panelists and presenters who are participating in our June 2nd event. So you can go to caregiving.com to listen to those podcasts. So uh, there's a green menu bar. Just look for the word podcast. Hover over that. Drop-down menu appears, and then click on Caregiving and the Workplace podcast series. (laughs) I always am so happy with myself when I figure out a good way for you to find things and when I name things appropriately. It seems like it just happens, but I will tell you, I fret, I wring my hands, (laughs) I test things out, so when it works, I'm happy. So that's how you can find our podcast series about how people manage their career during a caregiving experience. And I hope you'll join us June 2nd. You can register to join us in person or virtually. And there's early bird rates. So you'll want to take advantage of the early bird rates, which expire April 24th. And for this summit, you do need to pay to register to watch the, the event. So you can watch it live. If you can't watch it live, you'll receive a link to the archive. So there is a fee to join us in person as well as to receive a link to watch the live broadcast and the archive. One price for the link to watch us live and to watch the archive. We're doing our 30-day random acts of kindness challenge during the month of April, so I hope you'll join us with that. And just a reminder that as spring is springing, we hope, this might be the time for you to add your ribbons of care. So just a reminder about how that works. You tie a ribbon on something, could be a fence, could be a tree, could be a branch in front of your house. If you are currently caring for someone in the family, you tie an orange ribbon. If you have previously cared for someone in the family, you tie a green ribbon. And if you're doing both, have both of those experiences, you tie both an orange, and a green. It's a way to show support for family caregivers in your community as well as to say, hey, I'm a family caregiver. We also have our Wear Green To Be Seen Day coming up. That's April 21st. We put on something green to show that we care, which means we are family caregivers. We do have a special T-shirt shirt that we had on sale through the 1st. It's no longer available, but I'll have some contests that you can join for a chance to win. The T-shirt talks about family caregivers having a superpower. And one of our bloggers, Sharon, wore this T-shirt on our Wear Green to be Seen day a few years ago. Someone in the grocery store saw her with the T-shirt on went up to her and gave her a hug and said, I understand. So the power of, of a situation like that is never minimized or overlooked. So that's why we do these kind of visibility events so that you can connect with others in the community who are in a similar situation and receive support. So important, so important. Okay, those are the updates. So Claire Day is joining us this morning. She's our dementia care expert. She usually joins us on the last Tuesday of the month. And we were ready to go on the last Tuesday of the month. But blog talk radio was down. It was not ready to go. So we rescheduled for this morning. Good morning, Claire. How are you?
1: Good morning, Denise. I'm really well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good. So the last time we spoke, you were in Philadelphia. Because you were senior vice president of the Alzheimer's Association Delaware Valley chapter. And now we're talking to you in California because you are now the. Tell us what you are.
1: I'm the chief program officer at the Northern California, Northern Nevada chapter um, based here in San Jose, California.
0: Wow. So you've moved, you started your new job, you're settling in. How is it going?
1: It's going really well, and I think one of the exciting things about this kind of an opportunity with an organization that's located across the country is opportunities like this come up, and it it was all very easy. I I was able to sort of seamlessly come into a new role, and it's always interesting to start a new role with similar work where there's so much about the job I know, and yet there's a whole new um, culture of uh, their, the way they develop and implement programs, and obviously learning a new team. And my team is you know, almost doubled in size. It's a, a very large um, chapter. Uh, it's probably the largest chapter in the country. And um, certainly they have, uh, it's, it's been a great opportunity to get to know the amazing staff that are working here and, and doing amazing uh, programs and outreach. And it's just been very, very exciting. I've been here, About three months now on and off, although I feel like I've been back and forth a little bit between the physical move and conferences and meetings in Chicago. Um, So I feel like I I really haven't quite um, uh, settled. But I think probably one of the most significant parts of the move for me was uh, I physically drove my truck from Philadelphia to San Jose. It was a 16 foot truck with a A friend of mine who's actually the helpline manager at the Delaware Valley Chapter, and she came on this journey with me, and it really was an amazing experience. So thank you for asking me.
0: I followed along your trip on Facebook,
1: (laughs) and it looked awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome.
0: (laughs) And how long did it take you to drive those 1,600 miles?
1: Um, so it was actually almost 3,000 miles by the time we were done. Um, and it took, uh, we did it in five days.
0: <gasps> wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: It and it was, um, it was from the time we got to Tennessee, we were on the same road until we got to California.
0: Wow. Did you see any part of the country that you thought, I want to go back to this place?
1: Uh, yes. I think for certainly I – one of the things, um, because of the timing um, and the time we got into the city, I really wanted to spend more time in Oklahoma City, uh, and so I would probably try and get back there. Um, I also, we, we stopped um, for in Flagstaff, which is a beautiful little downtown, um, and I would love to go back there, and I think just all of New Mexico. I don't feel that we saw the right parts of New Mexico, so I would like to go back there.
0: What a great idea. What a great road trip. I mean, wow, we live in such a great country. It's so beautiful. And there's no better place to see it than in a car with a good friend who's sharing the journey with you. Yeah. So today we're talking about policy updates. And last week you were at the annual conference through the Alzheimer's Association that really gives an update about where things stand. As it relates to policy and Alzheimer's disease, So tell me what it was that you heard last week that you thought, "Oh wow, this is good. We'll start with the good news,
1: <laughs> and then maybe we'll navigate from there, but
0: we'll start there.
1: Yeah, and I was I was so disappointed that we weren't able to talk last week because I was in Washington d c in the middle of the conference we were, we would have we would have been talking on Tuesday which is the the last day of the conference before we stormed the hill um, and Capitol Hill and and really go and and send our purple message um, throughout all of Washington. So it really was was a shame that we couldn't because I was really energized and there was so much activity going on. But I think you know what? What we're looking at um, from a policy update, and, and and anyone really that's involved in Alzheimer's in Alzheimer's uh, or related dementia care, whether you have Alzheimer's disease or a frontotemporal dementia or Lewy body, we know that these types of dementia are the most expensive diseases in the country, and so our message was really about. Making sure that we're communicating just what an impact this disease has. We know the the emotional and physical toll it takes on caregivers, but we also really need to um, continuously storm that message about the cost of this disease. Because what happens with government is that we make decisions based on today uh, and numbers, numbers that we see today, and we make potentially poor decisions that will have a tremendous impact down the road when you have a disease like Alzheimer's disease that is on a trajectory to bankrupt systems across the country, whether it's Medicare and Medicaid, whether it's Mm. healthcare systems through Uh, long-term care settings and adult day programs and and home care agencies that are are barely able to keep up with the demand today. And so if we don't do something to either change the trajectory of the disease or change the way we support people living with the disease, we're going to have five, ten years from now a, a real problem on our hands. And so what we wanted to convey this year was just that message. Was uh, and and we had a couple of asks that we went on the hill with, uh, and I would I would encourage anyone that's who likes policy work or wants to do something and, and that is low low impact as far as it doesn't take a lot of time, definitely go on to org slash advocate and, and find ways to connect your um, to your lawmakers to to really get in their heads about the realities of this disease and what it means to you, because I think that's the other piece that we take to D.C. is those personal stories. And we heard some amazing personal stories throughout the, the four days that we were in Washington, D.C. Uh, and I think, um, you know, one of, the, one of the most remarkable stories that I heard was a, a young woman who is from the Chicago area, and she, uh, she was in college and had to come home her junior year because she was the oldest of four children, and her mom was diagnosed, her single mom was diagnosed with younger onset Alzheimer's disease. And so she had to leave her college in, in the middle. I think she was just finishing up her sophomore, about to start her junior year um, at the University of Michigan. This is a, a bright young woman. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. She'd go home. And spend the next five or seven years caring for her mom and her younger siblings. So, you know, in the, in the course of, a, of a, a semester, you know, where most college students are just worrying about fitting in or passing their classes, this young woman went from being a, a college student to a full-time caregiver and essentially guardian for her, for her younger siblings, who were all under the age of 18. Um, and and you know, she told the story also about how her, her youngest sibling, I think, was somewhere in the 10-year-old range, um, was just as much of a caregiver as she was in, in different ways, right? So these young children that should have been playing, playing on bikes and, and going out in the summer were spending the summers... Making sure their mom was dressed appropriately, and helping to feed her, and helping to provide her care, um, and so here's a, here's I mean, this is one of many many stories that we heard that just shows the impact this disease has um, not just on the person living with the disease, on all of those care partners around. Uh, the, the around the the system, right? around that that circle we always talk about, create your network, create your find out who your people are, who's in your camp. Uh, because it, it it was vital for her. She would have never been able to do it by herself and and certainly, you know, she was also dealing with taking care of their needs too. She today, um, she she went back to school, she finished her undergraduate, she's now finished her master's degree and is um, hoping to get involved in a, a Ph.D. program um, at the University of Michigan where what she wants to do is study how young caregivers are impacted by Alzheimer's disease because we, we talk a lot about caregivers, especially around the baby boom generation, the sandwich generation, those, those adult children who are caring for their adult parents, right? their older parents. But there's a whole group out there of young Caregivers under the age of 25, whether they're caring for a parent with younger onset or a grandparent in, in some settings where, where you know, teenagers and, and younger children are caring, uh, and maybe not just specific to Alzheimer's either. I mean, I think there are plenty of, of young, amazing people out there that are pre- providing the kind of care um, that some people would never even imagine a young person could provide. So, she was just a remarkable a remarkable young woman. She was interviewed on a panel with uh, Richard Louie, who was at the, at ah, the uh, yeah got to meet at your conference in November. Uh, he came and, and t- talked to us about his story, told a very similar story to what we heard um, in Chicago in, in November and, and then he uh, led this panel with this young woman and a, a young, uh, an older gentleman who has Alzheimer's disease who talked about, um, his, his journey. So um, so that was the good news, right? The good news is people came self <laughs> felt empowered. They marched on the hill in purple. 1,300 people attended this conference. It sold out um, weeks before the conference, which I don't think has ever happened before, which tells me one thing. Well, it tells me a couple things. One is people are passionate about change. Uh, I think that's something that in the environment today, we are all looking for some sort of change. Whatever whatever we're looking for, we're looking for change. The other is we are no longer going to be silent about the effects of this disease when it comes to um, affecting change and affecting those decisions. So so the, key, the two key messages that we, we went with were, first of all, Alzheimer's disease is the most expensive disease in America to treat. Um, It's costing $259 billion a year today, and according to a recent Forbes magazine article, because of this spending on Medicare, we are really truly risking breaking Medicare, because in today's numbers, 19% of Medicare spending is spent on people with Alzheimer's disease. 19%, 38% 19%, 38% in 2050 if we, if we don't find an effective treatment. And then when you talk about um, the Medicaid spending today and today's dollar, for, every, uh, for a, a senior without Alzheimer's, Medicaid spends approximately $349 on a senior without Alzheimer's. Try and guess how much you think it is for someone with Alzheimer's.
0: Oh, I don't, I can't even,
1: I, I'm i afraid to guess. I know, $8,100.
0: <sighs>
1: and so if you looked at those numbers and then compared it to research funding, right, what are we doing to change those numbers? Because changing those numbers is, is really going to be an effective treatment, right? If we find an effective treatment, we're lowering the people with the disease. For every $100 spent on Alzheimer's research funding in 2016 from the NIH, the National Institute on Health, Medicare and Medicaid are spending $16,000. For every $16, 1000 research, $16,000 is being spent on Medicare and Medicaid. So, you know, multiply that by the millions of dollars that's been spending on research. I mean, it's, 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 it truly is. That was the, the sort of key message. Um, that we wanted to send, and then the other message, and I'll quickly go because I know all of a sudden we're very close to running out of time. But um, there's also a bill that was brought to the into Congress last year, and it, it didn't quite make it through, but had a lot of support. But it's it's really important. Its its acronym is called PACHITA, but it's the um, palliative, uh, care and, uh, palliative care um, and palliative care and. I should always know this one, Palliative Care and Hospice Education and Training Act, um, which is about ensuring adequate, well-trained palliative care workforce uh, through t- training, education, uh, and awareness. And, and That's important because we talk a lot about the need for research dollars. You know, we, we ask that Congress keeps in the additional $414 million that hope to be in the fiscal year 18 budget. You know, with with the political environment today, there's talk about not only decreasing NIH's budget next year, but now possibly decreasing it this year for what's already been budgeted, which is a, a problem because that means you know research will stall. And you know, I we we fear that, and this is I should say I fear because this is an an association view, but I fear that the research that will get cut is the ones that are considered low priority. And of course, we all know that in the past it's always, you know, it's low priority, right? $5 billion in cancer research to $400 million in Alzheimer's research shows you where priorities are. And it doesn't mean that cancer is not important and that we need to fund that as well, but we also need to make sure that this disease is not, we got to get ahead of it and before it starts bankrupting our system. But we also have five million Americans living with Alzheimer's disease that need great, amazing care and especially need that great care um, when it's most vital, which is at end of life. And so this uh this, Pichita, this Palli- um, Palliative Care and Hospice Education Training Act, is making sure that we're training the, the, the workforce that will be providing care to whether it's through hospice or whether it's in facilities or in the home um, and providing that high level um, end of life care because that is so valuable um, and 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 so necessary. So those are the two main uh, asks. Now you mentioned You
0: know what I th- Yeah. So do you know what I Go think ahead. is interesting? So I was at the American Society on Aging annual conference a couple of weeks ago and someone had asked the president of ASA wow what you know what's the attendance and he said this is the the best attended conference in the past 6 years and he related it directly to our political climate so something that you are talking about which is that you know we're just not going to stay silent about what we need i also think it's also that we're not going to depend on someone else to figure out what we need and give it to us i think given our political climate if you don't have a voice out there you're going to be overlooked it's that that idea that we have to be our own best advocates and really go out there and make a difference for ourselves because that's the way it's going to happen um so i think you could say oh no that's a terrible thing but i think what I think what the good news is that we know that we can make a difference when we go out and make a difference.
1: Well, I mean, and I'd I, like just to I mean, without getting political, um, and and I certainly this is not an all Alzheimer's issue, but when, we, when you talk about the Healthcare Act, uh, the Senate had to close down their phones that Friday before the decision was made to pull the bill because they just that the, the Senate switchboard had to shut down because there were so many calls. Not just yeah. in, and that that was nationwide, which shows the power that our voices have, and we have to. Yes. See them. And what, where we where we really make strides is when we're uniformed, when we have one or two key consistent messages around a specific issue, and, and whether it's whether it's about education or or healthcare or disease specific. What's really important is when we advocate that we have that powerful voice together, because we have seen things like uh, the the National Alzheimer's Project app that, that created a national plan for Alzheimer's. That that happened because our voices said to Washington, "You need a national plan on how you're going to address Alzheimer's disease." And from that, we've significantly increased Alzheimer's research by you know that almost doubled in, in, in just six years. So prior to that, we were getting very little movement. And, and when, when you come together and and use your voice, it it really doesn't, it, it's, I know some people say, well, you know, my one phone call isn't gonna make a difference. Well, you know what? It was that one last phone call to the Senate switchboard that got it shut down, right? So your one phone call does make a difference. Your emails, your visits to legislators are, truly powerful tools. And you know what? Any legislator will tell you that. They, they want you to hear. And I remember we I met with, um, I was actually um, on on some visits uh, in California and, and uh, I was with, with Representative Vargas with our colleagues down in San Diego. Um, and he, who's very supportive of, of um, Alzheimer's research funding and of Pachita, he said to me, I need ammunition for my... Um, my, my friends on the other side of the aisle. What what can I tell them? What, what ammunition do you have for me to give you? And I said, well, let me just tell you. So I was able to run through, and, and they're looking for how they can show their colleagues um, the facts, you know, what, what it is they need to know to make their case. And so legislators are more than willing, usually, to, um, to get – Advocates visiting—it's you know they're—it's they're, how they get elected, right? It's by um, by us, by our voice, by our vote. So use it. I you know absolutely yes,
0: use it. absolutely. And I love the I love your reinforcement that it's the unified message. So there was a couple things that were happening a few weeks ago within our government. I was unhappy about it. I follow a lot of the conversations on Twitter the people I follow said, this is what you need to do. Here's who you call. Here's what you say. And I did it. I called all these legislators and said, this is what I want you to know. And it was 10 minutes out of my day. Not a lot of work. There was no cost to me. But afterwards I thought, okay, I am doing what I can. And I think that's what's so important. We have to do what we can. And if if we're in a situation where making those personal visits to our representatives is too hard, we can call. They have those young interns, <laughs> those young kids answering the phone, and they give the message to the legislator about what you called about. You can leave your name, your phone number, all that. It's all good. It's all good. And even I if you say,
1: I'm just
0: going to mention, even if you say, once a month I'm going to do this, that's fantastic. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I I can remember way back in the day before we could use email and and social media to communicate. I remember one staff actually telling me that they kept kept a a piece of paper by the phone, and every morning it would start from scratch with the issues that came in via phone, and they do... Like the tally marks, and at the end of the day they'd give it to their legislator and say, you know, this was the, this was the call that got the most calls today. This was the issue that got the most calls today. And it truly really had an impact on, on the work that that legislator did. So um, our, our calls are very important and powerful, and we have to keep them up.
0: Yeah, we have to. We have to. And even if you feel like it's not making a difference today, it is, because someone is tallying up. What's important? And it's important that your legislator hears what's important to you. So we've got just about 50 seconds left. So one last thought you'd like to leave with us, Claire?
1: Uh, so I think just just to get involved somehow, I know that, that there's, there's help and support out there to help you get where you need to go. Kind of broadly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. And you had mentioned a area on the Alzheimer's Association website where we can go to to get more information and to get involved. Can you remind us of what that address is?
1: It's alz.org and slash advocate. Or if you just go into alz.org, find, um, I think it says um, get involved, and it will have a, a button for advocate. You can sign up to be an advocate. It's super easy. You'll get the email alerts when there's legislation in your district that has impact. uh, And it's really just emails. It's a great way to get involved.
0: Excellent. Claire, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Of course. Thank you.
0: Just a reminder that Claire joins us on the last Tuesday of every month at 1130 a.m. Eastern Time. Thanks so much to everybody who's listened today. We so appreciate it. And be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.